with most philosophers you would find that they pretty much worship this idea of reason the rational mind and sometimes you would come across a few philosophers who would say that reason is not everything and david hume was definitely one of the latter the 18th century philosopher david hume he taught us that passion has a higher place than the reason the reason is merely a slave of our passion which is something like that we do things because we want to do we have those intuitions irrational intuitions and then after doing them or after chasing them we kind of justify them using reason as a tool this has also been articulated in the light of modern science so if you read jonathan haidt's book which i would recommend to you the book called the righteous mind you'll find the same ideas there that reason is not about passion passion is about reason we have these moral intuitions which we follow and then we use reason as a tool like a lawyer to prove our case to other people and to ourselves so coming back to david hume and his major works i would recommend you to read a treatise of human nature a book that he wrote when he was just about 8 28 and a few years later when he thought he hadn't done a good job with the book he developed two different books to explain his ideas clearly one of them is called inquiry concerning human understanding and the second is inquiry concerning the principles of morals so you can read these two books if you have time and uh, otherwise i would say you can start with a treatise of human nature and i hope you'll have a really good time exploring his ideas some of which i'll be talking about in this episode so hume starts with something very fundamental that how do we know things he says that in order to know something or even believe something we must first be able to think about it we must have that kind of concept about that particular thing so for example take cheese being made from milk and that is something you know and uh, you're very much familiar with but notice that if you haven't really made up your mind about how cheese is made or whether it is made from milk so if you think along that direction you won't be able to understand the idea of cheese if you don't have the concept of milk or the concept of cheese in your head so we have to have concepts first in order to understand something or gain any knowledge so this idea might seem a bit simple but it has a lot of consequences 
For example, in many theological discussions, when you talk about God, there will be people who will try to prove the existence of God and there will be people who will deny these claims. But if we go by Hume's approach, we would find that we possess no coherent conception of God. So it's not a question of whether God exists or not. The point is, the whole concept is a bit empty. Because, as I said, there's no way we can, we can even conceptualize this. And similarly, Hume's get to the conclusion of this immaterial soul and says how we can't really conceive this idea. So once again, we must uh, repeat, there are two things that Hume is talking about. One is, is the knowledge. It's kind of information that is coming to us through our senses. And the second is the concepts. And he says that pretty much every concept we possess, it's also ultimately furnished by our experience. So without our experience, we cannot really have a concept of anything. And if we don't have the concept, we cannot acquire that knowledge. So when he talks about these concepts or ideas, he categorizes them into two categories, which is the simple ones and the complex ones. Simple ones is something very easy to perceive, just a very basic concepts. For example, the color red. You look at it, you experience it, and then you know what is the color red. So first you experienced it and then you learned what really is red. So all the information about the color red, even the word color red, it's a part of knowledge, but it's not really a part of the concept. The concept is something that we acquired when we experienced it. So if we go by Hume's logic, we can't really have a knowledge if we haven't experienced something. So if somebody hasn't experienced the color red, that person cannot understand. Even if we give all the information about frequency, color, all the theoretical information about it. But that person won't understand what is this color red. Similarly, as I said, uh, when Hume talks about human soul, he says that uh, when I survey my inner mental landscape, I never catch sight of any soul. And uh, that is very similar to some of the Buddhist ideas you find. That uh, when you trace yourself, you look inwards, you don't find anybody in there. And while functioning normally in our day-to-day -day lives, we, we kind of assume that we are sitting inside this body. But that's not really the case. And this is exactly what Hume is talking about, the self. The self is merely an illusion. So according to him, it's just our own ideas of self are just flow of thoughts and ideas. And uh, we don't have any conception of self. We can't even conceive it. 
just like the idea of God. One of the other interesting ideas by David Hume is that of causation, which uh, you can link with the idea of God, but he's also he's just applying the same principles that we just discussed to show that uh, we cannot really possess this conception of any causal power. What does that mean? So let me give you an example. Suppose you see a billiard ball colliding with another and then when it collides with the other, the other one moves. So clearly you might think this is the experience of the causation that is taking place. One cause is affecting something else. But David Hume says no. He says that what you are experiencing is that one event taking place, that is one ball moving up to another and then another ball moving. You are observing these events as they are happening. You are not witnessing the cause, the causation exactly. Where is the cause that you are seeing? It's the concept in your head that you have developed through your senses, through as as children develop this when they learn these all these motor skills that how physics function, how one body moves another. These are all the concepts that you acquired. But uh, you are not witnessing the causing which is taking place here. So Although it sounds a bit counterintuitive, but he argues that the correlation, it's not meaning causation here. For example, if sun comes in the morning and you wake up in the morning, it's not that sun is causing you to wake up. We can't say that. It might be just be a coincidence, even if it is happening every day, day after day, every time it is happening. Still, we are not witnessing the cause of it. And most importantly, we are not seeing the causal connection. Another way of looking at it could be that if you flip a coin millions and millions of times and every time it turns up as heads, would you say that it's just heads? It's a coincidence here, but uh, we can't really establish a connection. Similarly, he says, as radical as it sounds, that we can't really establish a connection here. So what is really happening? Who is behind all this? And is there anybody behind all this? What is causing anything? Or is there nothing at all which is causing no causation at all? And for that, you'll have to read his works. I'll leave you wondering at that.